Welcome back to Declaration Life. I'm your host, Christabel Braden, and I'm so glad that you've decided to tune in today. We've got a really special episode ahead. Today's interview with Nova Walton Marriott. She is an author with a new book called The Sleeper Has Awakened and an empowerment coach, and she has an incredible story of overcoming. It's a very emotional interview ahead, and I'm just so honored that she took the time to come and be on the Declaration Life podcast today. I know that everybody has something that they can take away from her story and how she found her purpose through all of life's ups and downs. So... Thank you for listening, and let's get started. So I'm not giving up. Live a declaration life. Declare your purpose. Declare your place. Declare your work. On today's declaration segment, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Normally, here's where I'll share a declaration that you will speak over your life or speak over yourself today because I really believe that what you tell yourself matters. But today, instead of a phrase declaration, I wanted to give you an action declaration. That's right, changing things up a little bit. (laughs) Today's declaration is to keep a journal for the next week. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be super detailed. But you'll hear in today's interview with Nova, she talks a lot about how journaling really helped her to uncover her purpose, and it really helped her to get to know herself better and to look at her past in a different light. Now, I'll let her share her story, but I've also found in my life that journaling has been really big for me, and it's been really big in helping me to process through things and process through my life. But when I get busy and when I have other stuff on my to-do list, journaling is the first thing to go by the wayside. Because journaling isn't for anyone else, it's just for me. I don't read my journal entries to anyone. It's not something that has to be done because nobody else will know if I do it or not. But during the seasons when I don't journal, I definitely find that I know myself a little bit less. And journaling is a really great way to express your feelings Not only express them, write out prayers. I love being able to look back at old journals and see, oh my gosh, that's a prayer that God has answered now. And having something tangible in your hand is just really beautiful and really helpful. And it can help you live your life with purpose and with intention. Literally the purpose of living a declaration life, right? (laughs) So today's declaration is to start a journal And if you're already journaling, take the next week to every day, write something in there. It's between you and God, whatever you write, but make that commitment to yourself that you're going to spend the next week getting to know yourself just a little bit better. It doesn't have to be long, maybe 10, 15 minutes, less, five minutes, whatever feels right to you. So there you go. Today's declaration, writing a journal. Before we get started, I did want to let you know there are some pretty heavy topics covered in this interview. Nothing in detail, but suicide and grief, depression, loss, abuse is all covered in this interview, but it's in a way of coming out of it and finding your purpose through having trauma in life. But I did want to give a trigger warning because I know everyone heals at a different pace, 
and I didn't want anyone to be surprised by some of these topics. So let's get started with the interview today. All right, I am here with Nova Walton Marriott, and she is about to share her incredible story with us today. Thank you so much for coming, Nova. Thank you very much, Christabel. I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) This is actually the first conversation that we're ever having. So as the listeners are learning your story, I'm learning it too. (laughs) And I'm really excited to hear more about you. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So can you just start off by introducing who you are, some of your background? Well, my name is Nova Walton Marriott. Um, I'm originally from New York City, and I relocated to Maryland about 16 years ago with my son. Just um, because I wanted to change, I wanted to take myself out of my comfort zone and try something new, raise him in a different environment, perhaps meet some other goals that I had set for myself, I was feeling very stagnant because I, of course, was living where I was born and raised. So I was a little complacent. And I figured if I shook myself up a little bit, lit a fire under myself, it would motivate me to seek more. And when I relocated here, that's exactly what happened. It put a lot of motivation in me to continue to educate myself, to seek the career that I had credentialed myself in. And I continued to raise my son, and he's now 26, and in the U.S. Army, I'm in the military, and doing well. Wow. For the past, I would say, 13 years, I've been working in the criminal justice field, in corrections. I also work for parole and probation, and currently I'm an investigator at a medical center. This journey of entrepreneurship that I'm taking and authorship that I'm taking is a brand new thing for me. I of course, have spent the majority of my adult life working for someone else. But now my purpose for my life or my my intentions for my life or my goals for my life have changed. And I want to work toward building something of my own. I don't want to spend the rest of my life working for anyone. I want to build a legacy of my own so I can leave something behind for my son and my granddaughter. And that's pretty much the gist of it. Thank you for sharing that. I love what you said about finding your purpose and relocating and just switching things up to kind of, you know, change your life. And I admire you for doing that because I know that was probably a huge (laughs) change and you've been thriving. So that's, that's an inspiration right there already. Thank you so much. I, um, it's been a ride. It's definitely been a ride, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything because I've accomplished so much since I decided to relocate. So I'm really, really, um, really pleased at how my life has turned out and, and the, the fact that it's coming full circle now. Yeah, that's so great. So your memoir, your book yes. is called The Sleeper Has Awakened. Yes. And when I read the description, it says depicts her journey through trauma and dysfunction to find healing and forgiveness. It's a story of resilience, accountability, and purpose. And that just like hit me in the heart. Like I was like, wow, (laughs) because healing from trauma and coming out of trauma and struggles in life, you know, everybody has a struggle and everybody has, you know, things that they go through and not everyone makes it out. And not everyone is able to find healing and 
come on the other side and be able to say and encourage other people. And when I realized that's what you were doing, I was reading about your coaching and how you are empowering other people to help their lives and turn their lives around. I was like, I'm so excited to talk to her because I just, I would love to hear more of your story. So can you share a little bit more about that part of your journey? Well, um, for a long time, I felt sorry for myself. I didn't know how to pull myself up out of the rut that I was in. I was stuck in the past. I just focused on what others did to me instead of focusing on myself. And it, it was a big mistake because I was so stuck in the past that I kept making the same mistakes over and over again. 2016, my marriage broke up. And that was, that was a turning point for me. It knocked me, knocked me off my feet. I was on my back for quite some time, approximately two years, two and a half years. And it was, um, the depression was excruciating. I got up every day and went to work. I functioned. I did what I needed to do. But it was very hard for me to get out of bed every day. It was hard for me to smile. Mm. I didn't even want to smile. It hurt me to smile. I was just so devastated. After about two and a half years of being in that state, I said, you know, I can't keep going on like this. I have to, I have to do something about it. I have to find something to help me because I can't take it anymore. I'm, I'm tired of being sad. I am tired of feeling like I'm being unproductive. I'm just tired. So I started seeking intervention. I started going back to acupuncture. I started going to yoga, meditating a bit. I started seeing a life coach. And that, I think, is the beginning of me really taking a look at myself because in order for me to work with her, that was one of the requirements that I look at myself. It wasn't an easy road. I saw her for a couple of sessions. I didn't continue on with her for a long period of time, but I saw her long enough to gain some tools. One of the tools that I gained from her, she recommended that I journal, that I start writing things down, writing my feelings down. I've always been a person that was reflective or I love to write. I had been writing my feelings down, but I wasn't writing it down with my hand. I was typing it in a Word document. When I explained to her that I was typing my feelings down in a Word document, she said, no, that's not going to work. You need to write your feelings down. Write your feelings down on paper, write with a pen. It will be, it'll be more effective. So I was a little reluctant at first. And then after a while, I started trying to do that. In the beginning, I was just writing a lot of anger, a lot of emotion down on paper, not really writing any uh, paragraphs or anything like that. And then eventually it started turning into paragraphs. My feelings started coming out. I started writing down relevant things about what I was feeling inside. Then I started going back and reading it, just reading my thoughts. And it was eye-opening for me because I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't know I felt like that. I um, seeing that, seeing my words on paper, it made me reflect. So I ended up thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I could do something with this. Uh, you know, this is kind of shaping up to be something. And um, I also had a conversation with my father to just uh, voice a bit of understanding 
about things that I had gone through with him. You know, I was trying to be a little more, uh, I guess you could say, adult-like. Instead of focusing on the things that I had gone through with him, I was trying now to understand why those things happened. Were those things about me or were those things about him? And it, I was trying to work toward having a little more understanding of what he might have been going through inside. So I sent a, a text message to him. I told him that I knew he did his best, the best that he could do at that time. It may not have been what I felt would have been his best, but it was his best. And that I forgave him. And I think that I think that, that took a, a load off of him. So as we progressed in the conversation, he said, you know, you, you should write a book, you know, because I, I think that you have something important to say. So I kept that thought in the back of my head. And then eventually, as I continued to write in my journal, I said, well, you know, I, I might have something. I had reconnected with a friend of mine on Facebook. And eventually we had a conversation on the phone and I told her that I had written this manuscript, but I had no idea how to even go about publishing the book. So she says, well, you know, I, I, I write books. I am in the process of building a publishing company. I can help you. I can help you do that. I also know an editor. Maybe you can send your manuscript to the editor. So, you know, she can just help you to get things on track to make sure you're going in the right direction. So she referred me to the editor. I sent my manuscript to the editor or what I thought was my manuscript to the editor. She marked it up, fixed all the grammatical errors. And she came back to me and said, I cheered for you. I cried with you. I rooted for you. Your book is going to help the person that cries himself to sleep every night, thinking that there's no hope. I said, wow, okay, so you think I have something? She said, I absolutely think you have something. But if I could offer any recommendation, I would say that you need to add more. You need to give more. So at first I was, um, <laughs> I was a bit baffled because you know, I thought that I had given all I needed to give to the manuscript. And she said, no, I, I definitely think you have more to say. So I started reading the book over and over again, reading it, reading it, reading it, adding things as I went along. And as I, as I read, my memory began to be jogged. I started remembering more. I started writing that stuff down. And then I went to the areas that seemed vague. And I started expanding on those areas. And before you know it, after reading the book over and over again, adding what I needed to add, um, just purging as much as I could purge, I ended up with 167 pages in content. Wow. And that's how I got The Sleeper Has Awakened. The title of The Sleeper Has Awakened actually comes from my father. My father's a recovering addict, and his first letter to me from rehab he said, baby girl, the sleeper has awakened. And I attributed that to his coming out of the fog, him coming back into reality, him waking up because he had been in, in a stupor for so long. You know, he was finally clear. He finally had a clear mind. And I felt the title to be befitting to my book because this was my way of coming out of the fog. This was my way of being accountable and admitting that I didn't know myself. I, I definitely didn't know myself. And as a result of me not knowing myself and me being so pained and traumatized and hurt inside, I was doing everything in my power to be self-gratified. 
that's that's pretty much where the book came from. Wow. I'm over here like I was getting tears in my eyes while you were talking. One of the things that you said about perspective shift, taking the perspective off of the things that had happened to you. When when you're healing from like significant trauma, it's really hard when you were talking about two years of, you know, not knowing how to keep going. It's really hard to to even get up every day and find a reason to step your foot on the ground out of bed and to find a reason to move forward. And I appreciate your strength and resilience and and the way that you express a lot of that to help others. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I want to do. I don't want um, my experiences to be in vain. I definitely want to help as many people realize that what they're going through is not exclusive to them, that there's somebody else going through that same exact thing. I think if you just have one solid person to, um, besides God, of course, to help you, you know, we all want to feel validated in some way, shape or form. If you just have one person that helps you feel validated, helps you feel like you're not by yourself, I think that that's enough to give you the strength to push on. Yeah. So good. I'm emotional over here. <laughs> you're emotional too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> when you were talking about like going through that depression and I call it survival mode, you know, when you just like mm -hmm. every day you're doing just enough to survive. Enough. Like you're just breathing and yeah. that's about it. And everything else, it's like you're a robot in your life. And can you, if you feel comfortable, can you share a little bit more about your struggles with depression and, you know, how you've grown through that? Well, I've, I've, <laughs> I've had several bouts with it. When I was a teenager, I was living in a very tumultuous environment. I was living in a lot of dysfunction. I was living in a home with, uh, with drug addiction. I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel protected. I grew up in an environment where wasn't encouraged to share my thoughts and feelings. If something bad happened, it was, we're not going to talk about that. You know, it's done. It's over with. We have to move forward. We're not going to talk about it. And we're not going to talk about it in the house. And you better not talk about it outside the house. So I learned how to block things out. I learned how to suppress. I learned how to act like I didn't care about anything. And I kind of functioned from that perspective. But I was, um, I was extremely sad. Growing up, I never really fit in with anybody. I didn't have a lot of friends. Maybe one or two people that I, I hung out with, but I wasn't the popular girl. I wasn't the girl with, with a lot of money or, you know, I, all the things that teenagers dream about being, I wasn't that person. I was always different. I was always different. I was always um, ahead of my time, you know, kind of a whole, an old soul. And, you know, I just, I just wasn't popular. All of that as a whole just weighed on me very heavily because I felt like I wasn't being heard or protected, when I was 16 years old, I had a suicide attempt. And um, 
I don't even believe that it was that I wanted to take my life. I just wanted somebody to help me. I was sad and I was hurt. While that wasn't a good way to tell somebody how I was feeling, you know, I was a kid and I resorted to what I thought I needed to resort to. The next bout with depression, I would say would probably be when my grandmother passed away. My grandmother raised me. She died when I was 26 years old. She was my backbone. She was my rock. She was everything. I couldn't wrap my mind around how I'm 26 years old and I have now have to go through the rest of my life without her. I'm still learning. You know, I still need your guidance and you're not here anymore. That put me on my back for about a year. I mean, I, as I said earlier, every time I've gone through these bouts with depression, I still function. I still get up. I still go to work. I still do what I need to do. Um, by then, of course, I was a, a parent. So, you know, the show had to go on. But I would literally come home and just shut my door and shut everything and everybody out because I was processing the loss. And the next was um, my brother. My brother passed away in 2014 unexpectedly. And it, I just spiraled. It was, it was the worst experience I've ever had in my entire life. Um, he was my best friend. He was... I would say the one person in this world that loved me just unconditionally. He was my protector. Nothing could ever happen to me on his watch. We could finish each other's sentences. He just, it didn't matter, good, bad, or indifferent, he loved me. And I had seen him 11 days before. He looked fine to me. And then 11 days later, he was gone. It took me a very long time to come to terms with that. To this day, it, 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 it wells me up. It makes my, makes my eyes well up when his name is mentioned. He was living in North Carolina. It, I would drive into North Carolina and start to shake, like literally start to tremble because usually I come to North Carolina. He knows I'm in town. He comes straight to me. We spend time. Now I'm coming to North Carolina. I, I'm not going to see him. He's not going to come and we're not going to sit down at the table and laugh and talk. I'm not going to be able to throw my arms around him and kiss his face and tell him how much I love him. So it was, um, it was just devastating for me. It really, really a devastating loss that took me quite some time to be able to get myself together. And then 2016, my marriage. I was married to somebody. I, I married someone incarcerated. You know, I, I've, I had people try to sway me away from it and um, try to convince me not to, but I followed my heart. I loved him. I didn't care about his circumstance, and I made the conscious decision, and I felt good within my soul to marry him, and he came home, and, and you know, life, life happened. You know, life hit him like a ton of bricks, and I believe that he got to a point where he just, reality hit him, and he just realized, you know, I can't be this person's husband. I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to survive. He did what someone immature and underdeveloped would do. He pushed me away and he did unconscionable things. You name it, adultery, gaslighting, you name it. That was, was probably the worst depression I've ever gone through. I thought it was me. I don't know. I don't know 
what have I done? Why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't he want to work it out? Why won't he just try? Um, I had people ask me, you know, when I was going to get over it, um, when I was going to get a divorce. I couldn't get my head off the pillow, much less think about trying to file for divorce. I was stuck. You know, I, I just felt like I was, I was just stuck and I couldn't move. I felt like I was stuck in a box and I just couldn't go anywhere. The pain was so intense that my body hurt. I wanted to sleep. He sent me visible evidence of adultery. For six months, I would wake up in the morning and when I opened my eyes, I would see this evidence. I would just, I would see it. I couldn't get it out of my mind. It was, you know, I, I thank my sister who I share a house with because if it wasn't, if she wasn't there just to occasionally cradle me in her arms, just to hold me and tell me that I was, that was going to be okay, or to even just listen to me repeat myself about how I was feeling, you know, because I couldn't talk about it enough. I couldn't get any answers from him. So I, I was seeking answers from anybody that would listen. And she would just sit and listen to me, try to sort through this situation and support me through it. And I'm just grateful to her because there were times where um, I could sleep all day. I could just lay in the dark with every door shut, every window and shade down, TV off, lights off, and I didn't want to get up. I got up and went to work. I came home, pulled the covers over my head and went to sleep. I did the same thing when my brother died. I went to work. I came home, pulled the covers over my head about six, seven o'clock at night and would just go to sleep because being awake meant that I had to think about the hell that I was in. And I just, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with it. So journaling my feelings, it made me dig deep. It made me face myself. It made me face myself. It made me realize, you know, your intentions might've been good, but you're doing it wrong. You were doing it wrong and you need to, you need to get a handle on your deficiencies. You need to get a handle on your trauma. You need to get a handle on your pain and you need to deal with all of that. As the life coach told me, you need to go back to your eight-year-old self and you need to tell her that it's okay. It's okay. You need to start working from there and you need to start working into the present so you can heal from all of that. So you never feel like you have to go back to that behavior. You never feel like you have to go back to that pathology ever again. My book freed me. If I could um, give you any description, it set me free because I couldn't have, I couldn't have written it with as much intensity. My book is very raw. I couldn't have written it with um, that much intensity or that much, I guess, vigor if I, if I didn't tap in if I wasn't being real with myself. The book, I do, of course, discuss things that happen between me and other people, but the book is about me. It's about what I could have done better, how I could have avoided some things. It made me realize that all the years that I felt like I was stuck and I couldn't change my circumstance, that I had options. And now that I'm, I'm slowly but surely getting over the hump, I am motivated by three precepts and um, that's self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and positive options. I didn't have any of those things. 
I didn't have any of those things growing up. I didn't have any of those things two years ago. I didn't have self-awareness. Definitely didn't have emotional intelligence. Um, it was nothing, it's nothing, it was nothing for me to just fly off the handle and um, just lose my head because I grew up feeling insecure, unprotected, and traumatized. I felt like I had to defend myself all the time against everybody. So I definitely was not conducting myself with emotional intelligence. And uh, as far as positive options, I had options all along. I didn't think I did, but I had options all along. A lot of those situations I did not have to stay in. My marriage, there were red flags. I ignored it. I chose to see the goodness and chose to ignore the warnings, the things that I should have been paying attention to. I chose to ignore it because I wanted to do things my way. You know, I, I felt like God has given me signs in many different situations, but I wanted to do things my way. I felt like I lived a life of wanting to save others, wanting to save people. I felt like nobody protected me, nobody saved me, so I should go out there and save other people. I wanted to make people feel like their lives mattered because I didn't feel like mine did. I would say my biggest success story, my biggest um, accomplishment to date, you know, I have accolades and I have education and I have all of those, those beautiful things. But I think that my biggest success story to date is my son, raising him. I poured everything into him that I felt was important to me. The way he turned out makes me feel like there's one, that one thing that I did right. He's, he's definitely that one thing that I did right. And I made a lot of mistakes with him as well. I, I had a lot of codependency. I, he was everything. My whole life was wrapped into him. To the point that when he went in the military, I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt, in a way, I felt like he'd left me. But he was turning into everything I raised him to be. He's independent. He's self-sufficient. He's motivated. He's everything I wanted him to be. He, uh, he always tells me he watched me because I'm very motivated in, in, in my career. But part of me that I, I guess is that eight-year-old girl felt like, what am I going to do now? He's gone. What am I going to do now? For a long time, I felt like everybody important to me left me, left me behind. Being left behind has, has always been a very big trigger for me. Hmm. And I don't know if I'm, I'm jumping ahead, no, but you're, I'm going to stop so you can ask you're me. You're good. You're, I love everything you're saying. Keep going. You know, for a long time, I, I, I felt like, you know, I just, I just needed to fix everybody. I, could, I didn't know how to fix myself. I didn't know how to make my heart feel happier or more secure or um, more complete. So I tried to do that for other people and I felt like I needed to have people in my life, to have relationships, to just deal with anybody just to feel like I was complete because I didn't feel like, I, I didn't feel like completion in myself. I felt like I, I couldn't provide that for myself. That's pretty much it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so much of your story and being so transparent and vulnerable. I respect you so much. You are so, 
I don't even know how to describe it, but the way that you can put things into words and the way that you're able to express what you've been through, what's happened, and then where you're going, it's going to help a lot of people. And you already are helping a lot of people. I am literally about to buy your book as soon as we get off of this interview. I can't wait to read it because um, this podcast is called Declaration Life because it's about declaring purpose of your life. The tagline, the thing that I always say is what you tell yourself matters. So many of us are walking around here telling ourselves the wrong things. And we're playing these narratives in our mind that are lies. And the way you just eloquently shared your story, you have worked to change what you're telling yourself and to change the way that you, your perspective on things. Now, the thing about, the thing about going through trauma is it's, even when you're healing or when you've gone through, it's not like it never happened. Once you're in a healthier place, it's not like the trauma never existed, but your perspective of it shifts a bit. Yes. I'm learning that I can't control what other people did. They did what they did for whatever reason they did what they did. I think a lot of times what other people did to me wasn't even about me. It was about where they were in life. And I'm at a point where I'm trying not to internalize what other people have done so much. And I'm focusing more on myself and what I can do to change my reality. Because if I waste one more minute worrying about what other people did to me, when they're not even worried about what they did to me, I'm just wasting time. I'm just wasting time and my life is is not going to have any purpose. I'm going to let many blessings pass me by because I'm just stuck back there instead of seeing what I can do to better my reality. This book and me starting this business, it's part of the book was the beginning of this newfound intention in my life. I plan to use it as the basis of my coaching. I just started the business in December. I'm still building. I've also written a workbook to accompany the book that I'm about to get published. Like I said earlier, I want my story and my experiences not to be in vain. I want to take my experiences and help other people grow, help other people realize their potential. For years, honestly, working in the criminal justice field, I had a part in helping people realize their potential. It definitely had a counseling piece, a motivational interviewing piece, but I did it for an organization under their rules. Now I want to take it a bit further. I want to motivate people and I want to help people to grow, but through my own methods, because I've, I've been through so many different things. Yeah. Why not? I also have a very rich educational background and um, a rich professional background as well. So I'm definitely qualified. Yeah, I was reading, you have a you have a master of science. I have two of them. I have- You have two of them. I have two of them. I have one in administration of justice and security, and I have another one in human resource development. Impressive. Thank you. It's impressive. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. When you were talking about writing your book and processing your emotions- how it started just as writing out your emotions. And then you started to realize, oh, this could help somebody. Would you say that's the thing that shifted things for you? Well, yes, because it, um, it, it, in a way it made me feel like 
I had purpose. I may have been through all of those things and they may have been horrific. And had I made better choices, they probably wouldn't have happened. But I realized that I could turn that into something good, that it didn't have to be my ugly reality if I didn't want it to be. It could be my missteps. It could be my mistakes. It could be my learning process, my journey. And then I could take it and turn it into something positive and help somebody either work through their negative journey or avoid a negative journey altogether. So there was purpose in that. And I started to realize that as time went along, that my life has purpose. My journey has purpose. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. That's like, oh, <laughs> that, that your ugly reality doesn't have to be that way. Like you can turn it into something different. Right. Whew. I'm, I'm so, I'm feeling this so deep. Thank you so much for sharing and for being honest. You're welcome. Thank you. You have no idea. Like we've just met, but you have no idea how much like I feel what you're sharing and how much I know how hard it is to share. And I appreciate and I respect how motivated you are to help other people and to be vulnerable. That might be uncomfortable for you, but to turn it around so somebody else might not have to go through what you've been through. Right. I, you know, like I said, I've, I've had so many different experiences. I've even from stress, I, I've had illness too. 2005, I had a surgery for a perforated ulcer. By the time I went to the hospital, I was septic. And by the grace of God, they didn't have to remove any of my stomach because the hole wasn't in my intestine. It was in my stomach. You know, if I had gone to sleep that night, the doctor said I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have woke up. I would, I would have died. Wow. And that was stress-induced. That was years and years of suppressing things. Suppressing your feelings is the quickest way to kill yourself. You have to let it out. You have to let it out. That's, the, that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in life. And I'm still a work in progress because I still tend to hold a little bit. You have to let it out. You have to let it out constructively, but you have to let it out. It is very counterproductive to suppress your feelings. It's not helping you and it's not really helping anybody else either. It's not going to do anything but eat you alive inside. Literally, it literally ate me alive. It ate a hole in my stomach lining. So I want to help as many people as I can with my story and my book. I really do. I am trying everything in my power to get it out there to people because I believe in it. I stand by it and I know it's going to help. Well, it already is. I can guarantee you that listeners are extremely inspired right now. Thank you. From what you've shared. And I I thank you for coming on this podcast. Somebody you don't even know to be so vulnerable and share. I really, I'm so thankful that you were able to do this. So your book is available on Amazon for if anyone wants to buy it. Yes, it is. And um, also I have a website. So if they go to my website, they'll be able to check out my social media. They'll be able to buy the book. The audio version is available on the website, the ebook and paperback, there's a link. It's linked directly to Amazon. So all they have to do is press right. the, the buy now tab and it'll take them straight to Amazon. Can you share your, what's your website? It's www.hierss as in Sam, E-L-F as in Frank.com, higherself.com. They'll be able to find out everything about my business, um, what I'm offering. I do resumes, everything's there. So that would be the perfect right. place to find out everything they need to know. 
I will put that link in the description of this podcast. So anyone can just click on it from there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank Thank you you. so much for allowing me to come on your platform. This has been, um, this has been very therapeutic and I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I know it's going to bless so many people. It blessed me right now. It it blessed me too. (laughs) Thank you. Blessed me too. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Declaration Life. Would love to connect with you on Instagram at Declaration Life or at ChristabelBraden.com slash Declaration Life. Subscribe and join for new episodes as we explore what it means to live a Declaration Life.